Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hi, it's Thomas Party. Welcome to this edition of Asna Audio Majide Programs. Arsenal versus Chelsea, Tuesday, 2nd of May 2023, kickoff 8 pm. The contents, captain's notes. Around Arsenal, sustainability. Player feature, Gabriel Martinelli. Minute detail, community voice, foundation voice. Academy Young Gun, Ishmael Ladenhand. Around the Academy, women. Visitors Chelsea. Match action. Arsenal versus Southampton. Match action. Manchester City versus Arsenal. And teams. Martin Odegaard, Captain's Notes. It was a hard result to take on Wednesday night against City because we didn't perform how we know we can and how we've been playing for most of the season. It was a hugely disappointing night for us. We know they're a very good team, and they have unbelievable quality all over the pitch, but still, we know we can do much better than we did. The simple things needed to be better from us, like competing and fighting and winning our duels. For me, that's the biggest frustration of the night, and also the way we conceded our goals was a bit too easy. The first goal was definitely too easy from our point of view, Then we concede on a set piece. Then I gave away the ball for the third and they score straight away. The last one was after a set piece as well. They were all very simple goals for us to concede. How it happened was a huge frustration. We know we're so much better than we showed against City and the two or three games before that. Lately, we've not been playing the way we want to and the way we've been doing the whole season. I think now we need to have a kind of reset and get back to being ourselves and make sure we're playing our own part. We went into Wednesday night's game after three draws, but honestly, I didn't sense any dropping confidence for that Manchester City game. I feel the team was ready, and everyone believed we could go there and beat them. That was the feeling I had before, that everyone was really confident that we could do it. So I don't think those previous games affected us like that, but you never know. This is football, and when you haven't won for a few games, then you concede early again, Perhaps it affects you a little bit. All I can say though is that my feeling about the team going into the game was really good and that's why it's so annoying that we couldn't give them a fight. 
Now we have to look at the next games, starting tonight against Chelsea. All we can do now is our own job properly and not look anywhere else. We have to make sure we win the rest of the games, but we need to just look at it day by day to get back to doing the simple things and doing everything properly as we have done all season. We have to play our part, and that starts now against Chelsea. We have to make sure we win the game and keep going. Our job is to control the things we can and make sure we keep it alive. And that's a big challenge tonight because Chelsea have got so much quality all over the pitch and on the bench as well. It's an amazing squad. From the outside, I don't know what has been happening there. But as players, we're focused on what we'll face on the pitch and they have so many unbelievable players to choose from. So we have to be very, very sharp, get back to our level and strike back. We'll welcome Alba back tonight as well. I played with him a bit before he left here and I know about the amazing things he did here before that. He had some really good moments here, especially winning the FA Cup. We remember the great things he did for the club and he's a great guy as well. It was my 100th game for the club on Wednesday and that has gone really quickly. To be honest, I feel like I basically only arrived here last week. A lot has happened in that time but I feel like time flies when you're having a good time so that's obviously a good sign. It just shows how much you have to enjoy every day and every moment because it all happens so quickly. I'm so happy here and hopefully there's many more games to come and more good moments too. Finally, I just want to have a word for you, our supporters. I know we were all hurting on Wednesday. Throughout the game we could hear your brilliant support in the away end, as usual. So to you, and all the supporters not in the stadium too, we're sorry we couldn't make you happy. It's time for us to all stick together, to keep going like we have done all season, with you right behind us. The supporters have been so, so good this year, at the Emirates and away. You've been a key part of what we've been doing, of what we've been achieving, and we'll need that support again tonight to get us back to winning ways. We want to feel that energy again tonight, and hopefully we can give you all the evening we want. Enjoy the game. Around Arsenal, Martin Century. He will not have been celebrating the fact, but Martin Odegaard reached a significant milestone at the Etihad last Wednesday. 100 first-team appearances for the Gunners. After making his debut against Manchester United at Emirates on January 30th, 2021, the Norwegian has become an integral part of Mikel Arteta's team and has had a superb 2022-23, having scored 12 goals, made 8 assists, and shown outstanding leadership. Still only 24 years old, Martin is one of nine players in the current first-team squad to reach a century of games for the club. He has played more times for Arsenal than at any of his previous five clubs. He becomes the 234th men's player to celebrate a century for the Gunners. His full figures are as follows. Premier League, starts plus sub, 73 plus 9. Goals 20, assists 13. FA Cup, starts plus sub, 1 plus 1. Goals 0, assists 0. Europa League, starts plus sub, 7 plus 6. Goals 1, assists 0. League Cup, starts plus sub, 3. Goals 0, assists 1. Total, starts plus sub, 84 plus 16. 
goals 21, assists 14. Here's to the next 100, Skipper. Man United in New York. Our men's first team are to play against Manchester United in New York this summer. We'll be lining up against Manchester United in this high-profile pre-season match at MetLife Stadium on Saturday, July 22nd, 2023, marking the first time the two clubs have played each other on American soil. The match will be another important moment in our preparations for the 2023-24 season and will be our second match during our pre-season trip to the United States. Before travelling to New York to play against Manchester United on July 22nd, the men's first team squad will be in Washington DC, where we will be playing against an MLS All-Stars team at Audi Field on Wednesday, July 19th, in a match which is already completely sold out. Sporting Director Edu said, Playing against strong opposition in a great stadium in front of so many of our supporters in New York will provide Mikel and the squad with a strong test and great experience ahead of the new season. We've now announced two matches in the US in July and look forward to announcing further details of our pre-season soon. Exclusive pre-ticket sales for the Manchester United match are available today with general on-sale ticket access beginning this Thursday. For access to the pre-sale, sign up at www.oldrivalsnewyork.com Ref Watch Tonight's referee is Robert Jones from Merseyside. Robert is in his fourth season as a Premier League referee and has been the man in the middle for 22 Premier League games in 2022-23, handing out 93 yellow cards but no reds. He officiated in Arsenal's 2-1 home win over Aston Villa in August and the 1-1 draw against Southampton at St Mary's in October. Malawi Supporters Club donates to survivors of Cyclone. Last Monday, April 24th, Arsenal Malawi Supporters Club donated balls to survivors of Cyclone Freddy. Led by Father Shadrach Malata of the Catholic Diocese of Chikwawa, Representatives of Arsenal Malawi Supporters Club donated footballs and netballs to survivors of Cyclone Freddy who are at Jombo Camp, Nachalo in Chikwawa District. The supporters of Arsenal in Malawi had the idea of donating the balls because they understood that the social life of the people in the camp must continue despite the catastrophe they passed through. Receiving the donation of eight balls, Mr Charles Nadolo expressed gratitude to Arsenal Malawi Supporters Club for mobilising funds to buy the balls. He confirmed that the balls will not only help the survivors, but also the youths of the area, thereby minimising the cases of them being involved in bad behaviour. Arsenal Malawi Supporters Club was registered with Arsenal in 2005 and aims to have all like-minded supporters in Malawi under one umbrella group. Currently, the group has approximately 120 supporters across the country. NMR Shirts for Young Role Models The No More Red initiative launched in January 2022 with Adidas to support the long-standing work being done by Arsenal in the community to keep young people safe from knife crime and youth violence. Within that, one of the aims was to spotlight the work of young people who have made a positive difference. And at this evening's game, Lorcan and Ismahan will become the latest recipients of our special No More Red Shirts.
Lorcan grew up in North London and dedicates his time to contributing to his community. After leaving school and training as a teaching assistant, he volunteered with a number of local projects including cooking and serving meals with Refugee Community Kitchen, helping out at the Cooperation Town Food Hub, supporting musicians at Social Notes and organising free art and culture festivals at a community space in Kentish Town. Since 2022, he has worked as a youth worker at two local community centres and continues to contribute to other projects in his spare time. Lorcan's infectious enthusiasm and commitment to mutual aid, community action and self-organisation inspire everyone he works with. Ismahan is 17 years old and has had a huge influence on the approach that local organisation, Java Youth Community Association, JYCA, take to having an impact on knife crime. She has highlighted how girls and families can be impacted negatively by knife crime. Ismahan worked with JYCA to curate a programme specifically for the young girls in Islington that had family or friends impacted by knife crime. Ismahan led a group of 15 young girls in attending Tai Chi classes where they practice self-defence. The programme promotes body positivity, physical confidence and provides a safe space for the girls to informally share their feelings and experience. The project was an incredible success, with the girls forming their own organic friendships and support networks. Ismahan is a fantastic role model for local females and plays an important role in keeping girls safe in the community. Thinking of you, Leah. It was confirmed after Arsenal women's match against Manchester United on Saturday, April 22nd, that Leah Williamson had suffered a ruptured anterior cruciate ligament. The Gunners' central defender, who had been operating superbly in central midfield following Kim Little's recent injury, will now undergo surgery and begin a period of rehabilitation and is set for an extended spell on the sidelines. It's a devastating blow for the 26-year-old England captain, who will not be available for this summer's World Cup in Australia and New Zealand, as well as missing Arsenal's run-in to an exciting 2022-23 campaign. Everyone at Arsenal will be supporting Leia throughout the journey ahead, and we would ask that her privacy is respected at this time. Notice board. Totalizer £800. Happy 11th birthday, Isaac. Hope you have the best birthday doing your favourite thing. Cheering on the Arsenal. Love Grandad and Grandma. Kiss, kiss, kiss. David Jordan. Have a fantastic 60th birthday. Celebrate and enjoy. You're the best. Love always. Catherine, George and Grace. Happy birthday, Sam. Have the best day. Lucy, kiss. Happy 14th birthday to our special son, Kyle Nunn. We hope Arsenal get three points for you today. Love Dad, Mum, Lauren and Caitlin. Kiss. Happy 8th birthday to Pablo Francis Shinaro. Enjoy the match today. Love the whole family and especially your fellow Gooners, Abuela and Mum. Kiss. Oscar James Stripe. Welcome to the world on March 28th and already a Gooner. Congratulations, James and Alice. Happiest 11th birthday, Darcy Ivers. No better place to spend it than at Arsenal. Happy 30th birthday, Sam. Have the best day. 
Happy 30th meter. Hope it's amazing and Arsenal smash it. Love Wembley Guna family. Kiss. Happy 6th birthday, Roshan. Enjoy your special day. Lots of love, mum and dad. Kiss. Arsenal remembers. Gerard Nibs Namak, who sadly passed away last month in Tralee, County Kerry, Ireland. He was the biggest Arsenal fan in Kerry and loved the club with all his heart. He was buried with his Arsenal shirt and the spirit of the Arsenal community in Kerry has given his family great support. Never forgotten. Billy Willie, Martin, Dan, Brian, Peter and the Turner's gang. Alex Granger, 8th of January 1973 to 7th of March 2023. Devoted husband to Gail, loving father to Anthony and Christian and doting grandfather to Logan. R.I.P. William Brian Hilditch, Arsenal fan since 1936, sadly passed on March the 11th, leaving two Arsenal mad generations, son John and grandson Samuel. Patrick Howard, a lifelong Arsenal fan who would watch and support his team at every opportunity he could, rarely pictured without wearing one of his Arsenal tops and always the loudest and proudest, forever loved and missed by all. Rest in peace. Joshua Atlas, age 19, passed away on April 15th, 2022. Josh was loving, caring, kind, funny, witty, athletic and intelligent. He was passionate about family, friends, Arsenal Football Club, gaming and the outdoors. Cuthbert Frederick Shiromo, a.k.a. Mr. C. Kick-off 5-8-1948, final whistle 10-3-2023. With shattered but grateful hearts for the years we got to love you and be loved by you, we say goodbye to the man, the legend, Mr. C, Zimbabwe's Mr. Arsenal. An adoring husband and best friend to Sue, devoted father, doting grandfather, loving brother, you gave so much to so many through 50 years in education, creative arts, leadership, sport, and especially football in Zimbabwe and beyond including the first African player to play in the Premier League. Your immense light continues to shine through the countless lives you selflessly touched and transformed. You've more than earned your wings. Zorare Murugare, Negomo. Rest in perfect peace and power till we meet again. Tonight's mascots. Leading the teams out tonight, a home mascot, Rudy, who is eight years old and from Gerard's Cross and representing Chelsea is 11-year-old George, who is from Reading. Enjoy an unforgettable night, boys. Ticket news. Home tickets. Arsenal vs Brighton and Hove Albion. Premier League, Sunday, May 14th, kick-off, 4.30pm. Tickets are now on sale to Silver, Cannon, Red and JG members via the Ticket Exchange service up until 1.30pm on Sunday, May 14th. Arsenal vs Wolverhampton Wanderers Premier League Sunday May 28th kickoff 4.30pm Tickets are now on sale to Silver Cannon Red and JG members via the Ticket Exchange service up until 1.30pm on Sunday May 28th Away tickets Newcastle United vs Arsenal Premier League St James's Park Sunday May 7th kickoff 4.30pm Tickets for this match sold out to away scheme, platinum, gold and travel club members with 15 plus away points.
Nottingham Forest versus Arsenal. Premier League, the City Ground, Saturday, May 20th, kickoff 5.30pm. Please visit arsenal.com forward slash tickets for details of the sales phases for this fixture. Sustainability. Everyone wants the Arsenal trees. With the success of the Arsenal Forest project, the club's support for the local Neem Cup football tournament and the recent Kenyan national media exposure, everyone in the region seems to want to plant Neem these days, which is fantastic due to their speedy growth and resistance to drought and disease. The Boré Community Nursery has a capacity to propagate one million trees a year, and we're having to boost the proportion of neem to cope with the extra demand. It's planting season right now, and we've found that local schools have taken an extra interest in planting, specifically asking for the arsenal trees, as they call them. Visits to the nursery for school groups are organised frequently, and the children love going home with their very own Arsenal tree. Always forward. Arsenal have been members of BASIS, British Association for Sustained Sport, since its creation, way back in 2011. Since then, it has slowly been growing and gaining members and influence in the drive to make sport more sustainable. On Tuesday, April 25th, BASIS held its annual conference, this year hosted at Ashton Gate Stadium, Bristol, home to Bristol City Football Club and Bristol Bears Rugby. In an action-packed day, attendees were able to learn from speakers drawn from a broad spectrum of sports. Among the speakers were representatives from British Cycling, the London Marathon, Sky Sports, UK Sport and, naturally, Bristol City. The topics discussed were as broad as the background of the attendees, ranging from waste and packaging management and development to sponsorship. We believe it is essential to use these opportunities to learn from others, both in our field and elsewhere. It's also important that we communicate how our football club is responding to the climate emergency and that we remain at the forefront of the industry in this respect. It was encouraging to note that several of the key Arsenal suppliers, CBRE, Facilities Engineering, and Viola, Waste Solutions, were also in attendance at this conference, further illustrating the importance of a collective approach and making sure we are working with the best people on our sustainability journey. An excellent Earth Day there were lots of Earth Day activities taking place at our last home match against Southampton. There will be a full write-up of all the Earth Day events in the Brighton programme, but in the meantime we'd like to thank all those supporters who participated on the day. Many of you donated football boots, trainers, slides, even goalkeeping gloves at our various collection points at the stadium. Thank you. Remembering Jeffwa Everyone at Arsenal and all those involved with the Arsenal Forest would like to extend their sincere sympathies to the family of Jeffwa Mwaro Choga, who passed away recently. Born in 1935, Jeffwa was a respected Bore village elder and lifelong Arsenal supporter. 
He was also well known for his wonderful dance moves, as highlighted on one of the videos posted on the AFC program Twitter feed, where Jeffwa is seen dancing along with a group of our women workers as they support the Bore Lions football team. Rest in peace, Jeffwa. Grow your own. Carbon Link has already received lots of orders for trees from supporters wishing to add to the Arsenal Forest. More than 20,000 are now being planted. Thanks for getting involved. We want to expand our 12.5 acre area to make our forest as big as possible. There are three options to purchase trees. 25 trees for £25, 50 for £50, 100 for £100. If you are concerned about your own carbon footprint, this is an excellent way of making a small, sustainable step in the right direction, and also doing it in the name of the club you love. And what a unique gift for an Arsenal fan in your life. Scan the QR code in the programme for more information on our project and details of how to be part of our forest. Player feature, inspirational Martinelli. We speak to our players about where they find their inspiration. Our Brazilian winger tells us how moving home at a young age and the guidance of his parents have played a big part in creating the player he is today. Gabriel Martinelli's path to Arsenal was not without its twists and turns. As a 14-year-old, just starting to make his name in the sport, Gabby was uprooted from his family home in Sao Paulo, where he had spent his whole life, to start afresh, more than 100 kilometres away, in the city of Itu. Of course, that meant changing clubs as well, and leaving the footballing giant that is Corinthians, seven-time National League champions. The experience was a formative one for our explosive left-winger. He admits it was hard at first to leave his old life behind, his old teammates and school friends. But he said the support and help of his parents in particular was crucial in enabling his career to move to the next level. Indeed, it was just four years after that relocation to Itu that he moved to Arsenal and soon became known on the global stage. His mum and dad, he says, have continued to be his main source of inspiration ever since. If you are talking about footballers, the person I looked up to was always Ronaldo, Cristiano Ronaldo, he begins. I used to watch him a lot when I was growing up. I loved his style, but in life, my main inspiration for sure are my parents. Back when I was young, and still now, they are always there for me. They have helped me in so many ways. From day one, they have always been with me, supporting me, giving me advice, and trying to help me. My dad played a lot of football when he was younger. He wasn't professional, but he liked to play, for fun, and he loves the sport. So, when I was younger, I always wanted to play, and my parents would encourage me to. I think my dad always had that dream of having a son that could become a professional footballer. My mum as well always encouraged me from day one when I started out in football. They always did everything they could to help me achieve my goals and to become a footballer. That dream seemed to be well on track from an early age. He joined his local club Corinthians when he was just six and his parents both gave him 100% support in his early career, 
his mum reshaping her whole routine around young Gabby. My dad was working usually, and so my mum used to pick me up from school and take me to training, he continues. I used to play futsal, and I also trained on the big pitches, so I used to train in the afternoons and then play futsal matches in the evening. So my mum would often spend the whole day with me at the club. Then, after my dad finished work in the evening, he would come to pick us up. My mum doesn't drive, so it used to take an hour and a half each day for us to get there by bus. She would meet me from school, we would walk together to the bus station and wait there for the bus. That would always drop us in the same place, and after that we would have another ten-minute journey to get there. This was for four years, from the age of ten to fourteen, basically, while I was at Corinthians. I started playing when I was six at Corinthians, but at that age you can't play on a normal-sized pitch. You play futsal for the first few years, then when I turned ten I started playing on the pitch. You don't go to that level until you are playing for the under-elevens. Futsal is essentially a five-a-side, indoor, fast-paced variant of the game that demands a high technical level and is organised to a large scale in Brazil especially. It's also where Gabby first developed a taste for goals. I was always an attacking player from when I first started, he reveals. I always played up front from the time I started on the full pitch and in futsal as well. I played as a number nine. As for his goal-scoring record, yeah, it was good, he says, laughing. But soon Gabby's father got a new job, situated outside of the huge city that is Sao Paulo, a hundred kilometres further inland in a city called Itu, famed for its oversized tourist attractions, including a four-metre payphone and vastly scaled-up streetlights. For Gabby, though, it meant a change of club. He joined Ituano, a far cry to what he was used to at Corinthians. Although now in the second tier of Brazilian domestic football, when Gabi arrived, Ituano were outside the top three divisions. My dad got a new job, Gabi explains, and we moved out to the countryside, you know. It's like a two-hour drive from where we used to live, and my life changed a lot at that time. When you play for Corinthians, it's a really big club. We are used to winning all the time, and that's how it is there. When I went to Ituanu, in the beginning, we were losing every single game, and it was hard for me. I was not used to that. Back in Corinthians, I was used to winning. It was a change for me, and back in Sao Paulo, I had all my friends there with me. It was a club where I had spent seven or eight years of my life. Then I moved to a new club where I didn't have anyone. I knew nobody, and things were done differently. I had to make new friends, and at the start, it was difficult for me. I changed school and everything, so it was like starting again when I was at Ituanu. I didn't know anyone in school or at the club. I just wanted to play football, though, so I carried on there. We had to move there because of my parents, so it was as simple as that. My dad had a new job there, and I wanted to continue to play football. On the pitch, he was focused on developing his game more. He said he soon fitted into the team, and his new teammates didn't treat him any differently despite arriving from a much bigger club. No, because at that age, nobody knew me. I was just 14. Soon I think they could see I was a good player and I fitted in. His teammates could see his potential, and soon so could visiting scouts. It was about this time that Gabby started having trials at some big clubs in Europe. Yes, I think I was about 13 or 14 when I went to Manchester for the first time, 
I don't remember exactly, but I was still young. Nobody knew me. This was a new experience for me, being away from home. I didn't like it at first. I wanted to be at home, but I would go with my dad to these places, and I was a bit scared. A different country, a different language that I didn't speak, so it was hard for me. He returned to Brazil and continued to build his reputation. He made his Ituanu first-team debut when just 16, and was soon regularly on the score sheet in domestic competition. Then, shortly after his 18th birthday in June 2019, came the move to Arsenal. Emboldened and wiser after his previous experiences on trial, he now felt ready for the new challenge in a foreign country. Maybe the trials I had helped me, I don't know, he reflects. But what I do know is that in my mind, I was ready to join Arsenal. Maybe actually I wasn't ready, I was still young, I didn't speak the language. But it didn't matter, because in my mind I felt I was ready to do it. I did well at the beginning as well, and that helped me to get confidence too. If the move from Corinthians to Ituanu felt big, what was his parents' reactions when he signed for Arsenal? They were happy, but in the beginning mum was a bit like, it's a long way, it's a new country. She was worried, you know, he says, smiling. We are humble people. I don't know how to explain it, but we didn't have much. We were just a simple family, so it's very different for us. We were not used to it, so we were all a bit scared. It was a new chapter for us, and we didn't know how it would work out. Being from a huge city like Sao Paulo helped, though. Although we had moved from Itu to London, we had lived and grown up in Sao Paulo, so I was ready to live in London, and it was Arsenal. When I signed, my whole family was buzzing. Me as well, of course. I couldn't wait to get started. My parents moved over with me at the start, just for the first eight or nine months to help me settle in and get used to it. They stayed with me to help with the adaptation and a new house. I was just 18, remember? I didn't know anything about life. I needed them with me, and, as I said at the start, they have always helped me and been so important in my life. The first few months in London were crazy. First of all, as I said, when I went to Ituanu from Corinthians, it was a big change, but even more coming to Arsenal from Ituanu. I had arrived from a small club in Brazil to one that plays in the Premier League and is one of the best in the world. I was excited, but at the same time I was a bit nervous. I think that's normal. I remember my first day here. I arrived and went into the indoor training hall feeling so nervous, and the first people I see, it was Alba, Mesut, Laka, just amazing. All these big players, big stars, and I was joining them. But it was all good, because they were all lovely with me and helped me arrive at the club. Then, to be honest, my first training sessions were quite easy. It was pre-season, so it was mainly just running and fitness, not too difficult. That helped me to get to know everyone before playing any football. The first time I really got to work with the ball was when we went to America on pre-season tour. That helped me relax because I remember feeling really nervous. But as soon as I went on the pitch, I was okay. I felt comfortable. I was just like, this is what I do. Gabby scored in his first appearance, a 3-0 friendly win over Colorado Rapids, and his performances throughout that tour guaranteed his place in the first-team squad for that 2019-20 season. Shortly after Gabby signed, his compatriot Edu Gaspar rejoined the club as technical director a similar role to the one he had when he was at Corinthians, while Martinelli was in the youth ranks. Their paths crossed again when Edu was general coordinator for the Brazil national team.
I remember my first conversation with Eddie, Gabby recalls. I was with the national team while the team were preparing for the Copa America in 2019. The deal to Arsenal wasn't closed at that point, and at the time Eddie was working for the Brazil national team. He was there and we were talking. He said he knew I was going to Arsenal and he would be there soon too, and anything I needed I could speak to him about. He said he just wanted to make my life as easy as possible there. That was really nice of him. It's great to have a guy like that who is always around and always happy to help me. That was nearly four years ago now. Gabby has since gone on to score 33 times from 127 first-team appearances and truly established himself as one of the team's key players. He's clearly enjoying himself, both on and off the pitch. Like I've said before, this is my home now, he grins. Sometimes when I speak to my mum, I tell her that I want to stay in London and maybe even stay here after football. You never know. But I love it here. She's like, ah, oh, you need to come back to Brazil sometimes as well. I'm still her boy. That's normal, but I love being here. She visits me quite often. Not my dad, though. He doesn't speak any English and doesn't like the weather. I see him more in the summer when I go back to Brazil. My mum is staying with me at the moment, in fact. It's good because she wants to do everything for me, take care of everything. She forgets I'm nearly 22. It's like I'm still eight again, but that's normal. I'm sure every mum is like that. She just wants to take care of me. Taking care of himself is something Gabby has proved repeatedly that he can do in English football, and Arsenal supporters everywhere will hope that continues for many years to come. Minute Detail Since the start of the Premier League in 1992-93, Arsenal have scored more than 2,000 goals. In this series, we choose one memorable goal per minute. Today, we're looking at five more, including the first goal Thierry Henry ever scored in a gunner's shirt. Lucas Torreira, Arsenal 4, Tottenham 2, December 2nd, 2018. AFC PL goals in the 77th minute, 21. A second appearance on this list from this particular game, but this goal is included as much for the joyous scenes of celebration as for the strike itself. There have been little to choose between the sides all afternoon, but this Lukas Torreira strike, his first goal for the club, gave us a two-goal cushion just moments after Alexander Lacazette had given us the lead and allowed the celebrations to start in earnest inside the Emirates. A summer signing from Sampdoria, Torreira had already become a fan's favourite with his all-action style, and the Uruguayan midfielder shared the moment with the supporters after drilling home our fourth from Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang's pass. He ripped his shirt off before being mobbed by the corner flag. As an extra bonus, the three points lifted us into the top four at Tottenham's expense. Ian Wright, Arsenal 2, Everton 0, August 28, 1993. AFC PL goals in the 78th minute, 29. A little piece of Ian Wright magic. Controlling a bouncing ball with his right foot, his next touch was to lift it over the bemused Everton defender with his left and into the penalty area. 
There, the imposing Neville Southall faced him down in the Everton goalmouth, but, with the ball still bouncing, Wright's next touch was a right-footed lob, leaving the giant Welsh keeper rooted to the spot and helpless as the ball sailed over him to make it 2-0 to the Gunners. Three touches of genius, one unforgettable goal, and Wright was then engulfed by the front row of the North Bank as he went to celebrate. Thierry Henry, Southampton nil, Arsenal 1, September 18, 1999. AFC PL goals in the 79th minute, 20. The goal that started the legend. Thierry Henry had signed from Juventus in the summer, having played mainly on the wing for the Italian giants. By his own admission, he was not looking particularly dangerous in front of goal during those early weeks as a striker for Arsenal. I was worried my teammates thought I was rubbish in those first few games, Henri said, after the end of his Arsenal career. He needn't have worried. It might have taken nine games to arrive, but once he broke his duck, he never looked back. Coming on as a 71st-minute substitute against Southampton at the Dell, he scored the only goal of the game eight minutes later. Tony Adams slipped the ball to the Frenchman, with his back to goal outside the area. He held off Marco Almeida, turned, then curled his right foot shot beyond Paul Jones from 20 yards for the only goal of the game. Goal number one. 227 more would follow over a glittering Arsenal career. Ian Wright, Liverpool nil, Arsenal 2, August 23, 1993. AFC PL goals in the 80th minute, 33. The goal that sealed our first ever win in the Premier League. After losing 4-2 at home to Norwich City on the opening weekend of the newly launched top flight, we then lost again to a late Alan Shearer goal at Blackburn Rovers. It meant we travelled to Anfield for our first ever Super Sunday Sky game, desperate for points. After a goalless first half... Anders Limpar broke the deadlock on 53 minutes. With 10 minutes remaining, Ian Wright confirmed the win. Man of the match, Ray Parler, who had already assisted Limpar's opener, released Wright just inside the Liverpool half, beating their high line. The striker sprinted forward and clipped the ball over David James for a richly deserved second goal after a dominant display. Sask Fabregas, Arsenal 3, Aston Villa 0, December 27, 2009. AFC PL goals in the 81st minute, 26. One of the most stunning cameos ever seen at Emirates Stadium. Sask Fabregas was only on the field for 27 minutes, but in that time the Spaniard did enough to win the Man of the Match award, and more importantly, the game. Starting on the bench due to a hamstring complaint, Sask was summoned by Arsene Wenger on 57 minutes as we toiled against Villa while looking to close the gap at the top of the table to four points with a game in hand. The move paid off. Sask was fouled shortly after coming on and smashed home the resulting free kick from 25 yards to break the deadlock. But he wasn't done there as he made it 2-0. With this effort pictured in the hard copy of the programme, superbly sweeping home from a counter-attack. Celebrations were cut, though, as he aggravated his injury in the process, 
and had to hobble off again, but by then his work was done. Abu Dhabi completed the scoring late on, but this victory was inspired by a true captain's performance from Fabregas. Community Voice Project Positive Futures Westbourne Estate Established 2017 Participants since starting 300 plus Weekly participant 15 to 20 Sessions every Wednesday at 1 The Westbourne Estate North 7 Available to local young people aged 8 to 11 More information scan the QR code Gabrielle, 12, is from Islington and has become a regular at Arsenal in the community's Positive Futures sessions at the Westbourne Estate. I first came aware of Positive Futures, although I didn't know what it was at first, as I was walking past my local football pitch in my area, around the Westbourne Estate. I saw a football session happening and it looked like people around my age were playing. I asked my mum if I could play. I had to tell my friends from school and told everyone I knew who lived close by about this football session and got them to join the project too. Then we could all play together. I had loads of energy as a kid and I found it really difficult to focus sometimes. Because of this, I would always get in lots of trouble at school. Coming on this project allowed me to put my energy into something and I was able to release that energy into doing something productive. I really enjoy the mini tournaments that I've been involved in at Positive Future Sessions. I just love playing in matches. I love Football Plus Sessions because it's really competitive. And a recent highlight for me was that I was lucky enough to meet some of Arsenal's under-18s academy players. They planned a coaching session for us as they were doing their coaching qualification and delivered us a football session at London Colney. My favourite coaches are Coach Rafe, Coach Anthony and Coach Aaron. They've improved me as a player and taught me to be confident in my abilities. I could also speak to them about other things going on in my life and I felt safe and comfortable to talk to another person who wasn't my parent or teacher. I have always supported Arsenal and I've been really lucky to be involved with so many different projects at the club, so it makes me really feel part of the Arsenal family and I'm proud to wear the badge and represent the club too. My sister was really nervous to go for the first time, but now she comes regularly and she loves it. So I would recommend you at least give it a try. You might like it and you'll make some new friends too. Gabrielle's mother, Guilaine, says, When Gabrielle first joined the sessions at Westbourne, I was just happy that it was a free and easy to join session. There was no need for expensive kits or memberships. I was very quickly impressed by the level of coaching during these sessions. The coaches Anthony, Aaron and Rafe support the children to develop their football skills, but also their physiological, emotional and social skills. A lot of things happen on a pitch beyond just kicking a ball. Gabrielle's sisters have also joined the sessions and the whole coaching team constantly makes sure that all the girls feel welcome. Arsenal in the community really feels like a family. Foundation Voice The Arsenal Foundation has helped to fund the Islington District Girls Team. Celia, aged 11, tells us about how she got a place in the team via a chance encounter with London Football Schools. My parents are from Algeria, but I was born in Islington, so of course I'm a big Arsenal fan. I was really happy when I recently had the opportunity to meet Leah Williamson. 
I'm in year six at school and I also enjoy gymnastics, although I recently gave that up to concentrate on football. I was on my way to a class on Marriott Road when I saw a group of girls playing football and pushed my dad to ask the coach if I could join in. That's when I started my journey to the Islington District team. We spoke to the coach, Tom, and he invited me to a trial at London Football School's Tufnell Park session. I was so excited and I was really looking forward to it. I just loved football so much and wanted to be part of a team. I enjoyed the session hugely and it must have gone well because I was offered a place in the team. I also met Ellen from London Football School who referred me for a trial with the district team. Again, I went for a trial and secured a place, but I wasn't going to stop there. I always want more challenges and to push myself to get better, so I also joined the school football team, and then before I knew it, I was offered a place at the Watford Woman Academy. It's a hectic schedule now, because I play every day. Monday is an under-11 boys match. Tuesday is a school tournament. On Wednesday, I train with the under-11 boys. Thursday is district training, and on Friday, I train with Watford. Then, on the weekend, I play matches. Training is a mix of teamwork, skill sessions and fitness sessions, all the things we need to play well in the matches and develop as players. I like playing in midfield because for me it's the best position to help the team create chances and score goals. In my school tournament we're top of the league and I'm scoring a lot of goals. I'm ambitious and I've set myself the target of winning the Ballon d'Or. I know that's a long way off, but I'm training and practicing all the time, and I can feel I'm getting better. I've also made lots of friends through football, and that gives me the confidence to play well, work hard, and keep getting better. Football means so much to me and to so many people, and I think it's great that football clubs can give much more than just entertainment by helping people in the local community. Arsenal have helped us so much providing match day and training kit plus equipment. And Arsenal in the community have generously taken us to matches as well to watch Arsenal women in person. If I become successful as a footballer, I would like to help people in my community too. I know Arsenal women players do that, especially Lottie Wooden Moy, and they're a real inspiration. Many people are struggling and I want to help them if I can. For more information, visit londonfootballschool.co.uk. Academy Young Gun, Ismail Ulad Mhand. The Basics Name, Ismail Ulad Mhand. Born Den Haag, Netherlands, 11th of the 1st, 2005. Joined Arsenal, 15th of the 1st, 2021. Position midfielder, squad number 91. Rate yourself out of 100. Pace 90, dribbling 86, passing 84, shooting 88, defending 66, physical 85. My first interaction with the ball was on the streets in The Hague in my home country, the Netherlands. It didn't take long for my dad to notice our abilities and sign up both me and my brother, Salah Eddin, for our local football club. After about two years and a lot of goals between us, we had the choice between a number of academies in Holland where we could take the next steps in our career. We saw Feyenoord as the best fit. 
My brother is a year older than me and plays for Arsenal's under-23 team, and being part of the same academy as each other has a lot of benefits. Our family is set up so we can chase our dream of becoming professional footballers, and it's really beneficial to me to be reminded of that by having my brother both at home and in a club environment. Getting into football was inevitable. It was always going to happen. I remember it was actually my cousins that kick-started my interest in football at a family get-together. We started kicking a ball together, and I haven't stopped ever since. After nine educational years in Dutch youth football, it was time for a new challenge. My brother got offered a professional contract at Feyenoord, but unfortunately, it didn't go through. This also had an effect on my future there. Then my brother joined Arsenal in the summer of 2020. I couldn't follow and join straight away because I was too young, and on top of that, the coronavirus pandemic delayed everything even more. It was tough and frustrating for me to be away from football for so long, but after three long years, this is the first season I have finally been able to show what I am about on the pitch and what I can do a bit more consistently. When looking at my move from Holland to England, I have noticed that English football has a lot more emphasis on the physical side of the game than Dutch football. Being physical is one of my key strengths though, so I can use that to my advantage, together with the tactical and technical abilities that I picked up from my time at Feyenoord in Holland. I would describe myself as a box-to-box midfielder that has both attacking and defensive qualities. Off the ball, I am strong in 1v1 duels, breaking up counter-attacks and counter-pressing when there is a transition moment. On the ball, I am composed with both feet. I get my head up to scan and always look to play forward passes first. I am a midfielder with scoring abilities, and I like to create chances for my teammates by putting them in front of goal with through passes. I always want what is best for my brother, Salah, so seeing him not being able to play at the moment because he is injured really hurts. I knew this season he would go on and have a successful season in the championship, but injuries have been tough on him and they have impacted his loan move to Hull City, a big chance for him to show what he can do. Even though he has had such a tough time, he is so strong mentally and he's so determined, and that's a big reason why I look up to him. He's an inspiration. I am sure this experience will make him stronger, and this is something that we got from the way our dad brought us up with martial arts. Since he came back from his loan spell in January, it looks like he is even more hungry than before. All I can do is tell him to stay patient, keep doing what he has always done, and try to make him proud when he comes to watch me play. My plans for next season are to work hard, stay fit, and I'm sure the rest will follow. Around the Academy, Youth Cup Heartbreak. Our FA Youth Cup campaign ended in disappointment as we lost the final 5-1 to West Ham at Emirates Stadium on Tuesday, April 25th. Things began well for Jack Wilshere's side when Amari Benjamin handed us an early lead. The move began thanks to some wonderful play by Raoul Walters, who dispossessed George Earthy 30 yards from our goal and carved his way past three defenders as he charged through midfield. He slipped the ball off to Amario Cozier-Jubery, who saw his shot parried, but Benjamin was on hand to coolly guide the rebound home and hand us a dream start. However, that only lasted until the 17th minute when the visitors struck back. Earthy fired home expertly from the edge of the box to fire the hammer's level. West Ham, 
who beat Southampton 6-1 in the semi-final, soon began to show their class and made it 3-1 before half-time. First, Callum Marshall converted a teasing cross, before Gideon Kadua added a brilliant third, pouncing on a Josh Robinson mistake, before lobbing Noah Cooper from long range. After the break, further goals from Kayleen Casey and Josh Briggs sealed the win for the Young Hammers, who added the Youth Cup to their already won under-18 Premier League South title. Afterwards, head coach Wilshere said, I had a decision to make in the summer about whether I stopped my playing career and come and coach this team. I was still unsure even when I came in, as you never know if it's the right decision until you're there experiencing it and living it. The players have made it so that I made the right decision. They've given me feelings that I've never experienced in football before, and I'll always love them for that. I'm proud of them. The overriding feeling is sadness, because the boys deserve more than that. But that is part and parcel of development. Sometimes football is horrible, and they're devastated because they deserve more. But now you'll see the strong ones and who bounces back. I lost finals in my career, and there's no worse feeling. But now it's how you respond. It had been a busy time for our academy teams prior to the cup final as well. The under-21s shared six goals in a thriller with Brighton and Hove Albion earlier this month, before Mehmet Ali's side then earned a point at home to Fulham as well in a one-all draw. We twice came back against Brighton. Ben Cottrell converted a penalty before Amario Cozier-Dubry's stunner made it 2-2. After Brighton restored their lead through Cameron Poupion, we again struck back this time through Katalin Kirjan, to grab a share of the spoils. We again came from behind against Fulham, finally earning a draw thanks to an injury-time goal from James Sweet. Meanwhile, the under-18s had two league games to contend with before the cup final, including one against fellow finalists and Academy League champions West Ham. We went down 2-0 to the Hammers on April 15th, but bounced back three days later with a 2 all draw at Leicester showing great character to rescue a point after trailing 2-0 on the half-hour mark. Seb Ferdinand and Mikhail Rogiak, direct from a corner, got the goals to pull us level. Roy Massey, a life in football. For those supporters with a keen eye on youth football, you might be interested to know of a new book documenting the life of Arsenal's former long-standing youth coach Roy Massey. A highly respected coach after his playing days, Roy spent 50 years in the sport, many of which at Arsenal, heading up the Hayland Academy. He worked with a whole host of stars who progressed through our academy, including Jack Wilshere and Alex Awobi, and tells all in this compelling life story. Wilshere described Roy as like a father figure, and you can get to know the secrets of Roy's coaching methods in his fascinating new memoir. The book is available now from Pitch Publishing, via bookshops nationwide and most online retailers. Mertesacker. Wilshere proved me wrong. Speaking last week in the build-up to the FA Youth Cup final, Academy manager Per Mertesacker reflected on Jack Wilshere's first season as under-18s head coach and praised the way our former midfielder has adapted to the job. Reflecting on when he first heard of Jack's coaching ambitions, our former German defender said, I was probably thinking he'll not make that transition, but he proved me wrong in that sense. I had a perception about him playing and being super talented, but probably not fulfilling his potential because of all the injuries. But then with him switching to, I'm committed, I'm working hard, I'm learning, I'm ready to train with the first team and coach the academy teams in the evening, that's when I thought, if he can do that for half a year, and he's done that pretty consistently. 
During his interview for our under-18s head coach role, I was sitting there. Mikel was sitting there. Edu was sitting there. I was praying that Jack would turn up and be himself. That was the moment when the truth comes. It was brilliant to see him presenting himself, what he stands for, what he wants to be like, what coach he wants to be, and how he wants to play. I'm really pleased with his first year. His ambition naturally is one day to go somewhere and coach a first team, but I'm not letting him at the moment. I think it's important to be ambitious, but I think he respects the process so much more now. You can read more from Per, reflecting on the season as a whole from an academy perspective, on Arsenal.com. Patino plays his part. On loan midfielder Charlie Patino helped his Blackpool side to a crucial 1-0 win over Birmingham last week as they continue to fight against relegation from the Championship. Our 19-year-old Loney played 90 minutes, his 35th appearance of the season, in the vital win. On loan defender Omar Rekic helped Wigan to a 2-1 win over Millwall in the same relegation fight. While at the other end of the table, Brooke Norton Cuffey's Coventry City leapt back into the playoff places with a 2-1 success over Reading. Right-back Brooke came on in the 58th minute at the Coventry Building Society Arena. Elsewhere in the Football League, Nathan Butler Oyadeji featured for the final 13 minutes of Accrington Stanley's 1-0 loss at Portsmouth, denting their hopes of staying in League One. In League Two, goalkeeper Tom Smith helped Colchester United to a 4-1 win at Sutton United and further afield. Fellow keeper Arthur Oconquo was in action for Sturm Graz, who lost 2-0 to Austrian Bundesliga leaders Red Bull Salzburg. Over in the Netherlands, Striker Nikolai Moller had an eventful 16 minutes after being introduced from the bench for Den Bosch as he scored the only goal of the game to beat Roda JC and claim their first win in five Erste Divisie games before picking up two bookings in the final few minutes to be dismissed. Arsenal women. Gunners fight back to stun Wolfsburg. Arsenal pulled off a thrilling comeback to recover from conceding two early goals and draw 2-2 in our Champions League semi-final first leg at Wolfsburg last weekend, a result that gave the Gunners a fighting chance in the second leg of the tie, played at Emirates Stadium yesterday. The latest round of injury setbacks forced Jonas Eideval to shuffle his pack again. And with Leah Williamson now joining Kim Little on the sidelines, the head coach opted to switch to a 3-4-3 formation. Jennifer Beattie came into the heart of the defence in between Lot Vuvenmoy and Raphael. Noel Maritz and Steph Cately operated as wing-backs, either side of Leah Walti and Frieda Manham, while the front three comprised Victoria Palova, Stina Blackstenius and the returning Katie McCabe, who had missed the trip to Manchester United in the Women's Super League through suspension. The visitors made a solid start and looked comfortable until near the 20-minute mark when Sveindis Jonstotir released Champions League top scorer Iwa Pajor to fire her eighth European goal of the season. And moments later it was 2-0 when Jonstotir pounced on a defensive mix-up to fire home. Arsenal sprang to life in the dying minutes of the first half when Manham collected a lofted pass and forced a save for Merle Fromes and pulled a goal back on the stroke of half-time when Raphael headed home the resulting corner at the far post. 
With the match approaching the final 20 minutes, the hosts had a great chance to make a 3-1, only for sub Tabia Vasmuth to volley over from six yards, and they were made to pay when Arsenal swept up the other end and levelled the scores. Ruben Moy split the defence with a raking through ball to Pelova, who spotted Blackstenius unmarked in the six-yard box and crossed for the Swede to apply a simple finish. The Gunners had the German champions reeling in shock, and might have taken the lead when McCabe met Manham's cross from the left, but she couldn't keep the header down. Ex-gunner Jill Roort fired just wide at the other end as Wolfsburg looked to reimpose themselves on the game, and soon after that, Jonstrater failed to get enough on a dangerous ball into the box, and that was as close as the hosts came to a victory that, ultimately, could have been harsh on Eideval's side. Arsenal slipped to United defeat. Injury-hit Arsenal lost Leah Williamson early on before slipping to a gut-wrenching 1-0 defeat at Manchester United on Wednesday, April 19th. The Gunners carved out an opening when some smart interplay on the right released Victoria Pelova, and Katie Zellum blocked Leah Walty's fierce shot. Frieda Manham then hit the side netting, but there was disaster for the Gunners barely ten minutes in when Williamson went off injured. Manham forced Mary Earps into a save at the near post, but Lot Ruben Moy had to be alert to head clear a Zellum free kick, and it was United who took the lead deep into injury time when Paris broke down the right and squared for Russo to sweep the ball home with the last kick of the first half. Arsenal camped in the United half after the interval, but the hosts' well-drilled defence meant chances were few and far between, until the hour mark, when Mannion blocked a shot from Stina Blackstenius. Earps was equal to everything else Jonas Eideval's team could throw at her, and Arsenal failed to find what would have been a deserved equaliser. We are Youth Cup winners! A huge well done to our women's under-16 team, who beat Manchester United in the FA Girls Youth Cup final at Loughborough College Stadium last Saturday. The game ended 2-2, but the young gunners held their nerves to win the resulting penalty shootout. The victory rounds off an excellent season, in which the girls also clinched the league title without losing a single game. Well done to all of the players, their head coach Dominic Edwards, his number two Kieran Fox, and everyone else involved in this hugely successful campaign. The squad girls involved were Amy Lydiard, Eva Gray, Gabrielle Dimmock, Helen Duncan, Hope McSheffrey, Isabella Fisher, Lucy Leon, Neve Peacock, Omatara Junaid, Ruby Seabee, Raisa Sekon, Sophia Leonard, Saskia Hurd, Sophie Harrison, Sud Oztas, Tahira Heron, Tegan Scarlett, and Vivian Leah. Visitors, Chelsea. 30 years of the Premier League. Games, 1,183. Wins, 628. Losses, 263. Goals, 2,003. Goals conceded, 1,160. Seasons in the PL, 30. Highest position, first, five times. Lowest position, 14th, 1993-94. Finished in the top half, 26. Most appearances, John Terry, 492. 
Most goals, Frank Lampard, 147. The 2022-23 season has been one to forget for Chelsea. Despite a takeover by wealthy new owners, fronted by American businessman Todd Bowley and huge investment in the playing staff, the West Londoners are in serious danger of finishing in the bottom half of the Premier League table for the first time since 1995-96. There is also every chance that they will fail to qualify for Europe for only the second time this century. The Blues are on to their third manager of this ill-starred campaign, club legend Frank Lampard having been called back to arms as an interim boss following the sacking of Graham Potter early last month. The ex-Brighton head coach was in the hot seat for just seven months, having been recruited to replace Thomas Tuchel in September after an opening defeat in their Champions League group away to Dynamo Zagreb. Chelsea managed to rescue themselves in Europe, eventually topping their group ahead of AC Milan, then coming from behind to knock out Borussia Dortmund in the round of 16. But with Lampard back at the wheel, they were well beaten by holders Real Madrid in the quarter-finals, losing both matches 2-0 to effectively end a season that also saw them fall at the first hurdle of both domestic knockout competitions, Manchester City eliminating them from each with wins at the Etihad Stadium, 2-0 in the Carabao Cup and 4-0 in the FA Cup. As those results testify, it has been a failure to score goals that has been Chelsea's principal downfall this term. Last summer they spent around £250 million on new players and there was an even greater outlay in January with World Cup winning midfielder Enzo Fernandes alone signed for more than £100 million. But they are yet to recruit a top striker and have consistently struggled to find the net. With 30 goals, they are one of the lowest scoring sides in the Premier League, having drawn blanks in more than half of their matches since the turn of the year, 9 out of 17 following the 2-0 home defeat to Brentford on Wednesday. While many of Chelsea's new signings have struggled after their big moves, others have been injured for lengthy periods and, unlike Arsenal, there has never been a settled look to the team, with all three managers having mixed and matched repeatedly in search of that elusive magic formula. The club's priority now is to finish the season as strongly as possible and appoint a new manager who can lead them back to better fortunes next season. The boss, Frank Lampard, caretaker manager, born Romford, 20th of June 1978, previously Derby 2018-19, Chelsea 2019-21, Everton 2022-23. The manager of Chelsea from July 2019 to January 2021, Frank returned to the bridge as temporary boss last month following the dismissal of Graham Potter having been sacked himself by Everton in January after 12 months in charge at Goodison Park. During a 13-year playing career in West London, the ex-West Ham midfielder played 648 games for the club, the fourth highest of all time, and also became Chelsea's record scorer with 211 goals, despite playing every game in midfield. He also scored 29 goals in 106 appearances for England, 
representing the three Lions at Euro 2004 and three World Cups. 1. Wearing the Gloves Kepa Arizabalaga Goalkeeper Born Onderoa, Spain 3rd of October 1994 Previously, Bilbao Athletic Ponferradina, Lone Valladolid, Lone Athletic Bilbao The return to form of Kepa who became the world's costliest goalkeeper when Chelsea signed him for £71.6 million in August 2018 to replace Thibaut Courtois has been a light amid the gloom at Stamford Bridge this season. The long-time Spanish youth international and former Athletic Bilbao custodian was displaced as the Blues' first-choice keeper by Edward Mendy in 2020, but he won back his place following the arrival of Graham Potter and has nailed it down with several top-quality performances. 6. The Seasoned Campaigner Thiago Silva, defender, born Rio de Janeiro, Brazil, 22nd of September 1984. Previously, RS Football, Juventud, Porto B, Dynamo Moscow, Lone, Fluminense, AC Milan, Paris Saint-Germain. Recruited by Chelsea in August 2020, five days after captaining Paris Saint-Germain in their Champions League final defeat to Bayern Munich, Thiago Silva was brought in to add experience to a generally youthful team and, now 38, has proved a shrewd buy, even if injury has hampered him in recent months. He won 18 domestic trophies during his eight years in Paris and also led Brazil to victories in the 2013 Confederations Cup and 2019 Copa America, as well as appearing in four World Cups. 5. The world champion, Enzo Fernandez, midfielder, born Buenos Aires, Argentina, 17th of January 2001. Previously, River Plate, Defensor y Justicia, Lone, Benfica. A star of Argentina's 2022 World Cup triumph in Qatar, where he was voted young player of the tournament, Enzo suddenly became hot property and joined Chelsea from Benfica in January for a reported £106.8 million fee on an eight-and-a-half-year contract. He had only been with the Portuguese club for half a season, having joined the previous summer from River Plate, but he helped them to a dominant position in the Premier League, and they sold him for a very healthy profit. He has started every game since his arrival at Chelsea. 29. The Enigma Kai Havertz Forward Born Aachen, Germany, 11th of June 1999. Previously, Bayer Leverkusen. With his winning goal in the 2021 Champions League final, his first in the competition, Kai ensured immortality as a Chelsea player, but the gifted left footer's time at the club, following a £71 million plus transfer from Bayer Leverkusen, has featured periods of inconsistency. Touted as Germany's next superstar during his early days at Leverkusen, the 23-year-old left-footer scored twice for his country at both Euro 2020 and the 2022 World Cup and now has 12 goals in 34 internationals. He is Chelsea's top Premier League marksman this term with seven goals. 7. The Pocket Dynamo and Golo Kante, midfielder, born Paris, France, 
29th of March 1991. Previously, Boulogne, Cannes, Leicester. Widely recognised in recent years as one of the game's former central midfielders, N'Golo has been sidelined for most of this season, including the World Cup in Qatar, with a hamstring injury. A Premier League champion in each of his first two seasons, with Leicester, then Chelsea, the diminutive all-action 32-year-old was also a 2018 World Cup winner with France. Voted Man of the Match in Chelsea's 2021 Champions League final victory, his energy and industry have been badly missed this term. The Loney, Jao Felix, born Viso, Portugal, 10th of November 1999, previously Benfica, Atletico Madrid. Portugal international Jao Felix joined the West Londoners in a surprise loan move from Atletico Madrid in January. He was sent off on his Chelsea debut, a 2-1 derby defeat at Fulham, but scored on his return from suspension in a 1-1 draw against West Ham. A gifted support striker who sprang to prominence with a brilliant 20-goal debut season at Benfica in 2018-19, then joined Atletico for a £113 million fee. He has been hit and miss in Spain, but was impressive for Portugal at the Qatar World Cup. 8. The crafty Croatian, Matteo Kovacic, midfielder, born, Linz, Austria, 6th of May 1994, previously Dynamo Zagreb, Inter Milan, Real Madrid. A Chelsea player since 2018, when he joined from Real Madrid, Matteo was voted the club's player of the year in his second season, and has proved to be a clever, dependable performer in the Blues midfield, occasionally catching the eye with a spectacular goal. The 28-year-old was involved in a fifth successive tournament for Croatia during the winter, starting all seven matches as his country finished third at the Qatar World Cup. He recently scored both goals as Croatia beat Turkey 2-0 away in a Euro 2024 qualifier. 15. The Blonde Bombshell Mikhailo Mudrik, forward, born, Krasnorad, Ukraine, 5th of January 2001. Previously, Bochum. Mikhailo became the most expensive Ukrainian footballer of all time when he joined Chelsea in January from Shakhtar Donetsk for an initial £62 million transfer fee. The speedy, skillful winger had aroused interest with some top-class performances for Shakhtar in the Champions League and struck seven goals in 12 domestic league games this season before his move to Stamford Bridge, where he is still to settle. The blonde 22-year-old is a Ukrainian national teammate of Alexandra Jinchenko and has yet to score in nine appearances for the Blues. Scouting Report by Michael Cox It's difficult to know where to start when analysing Chelsea's 2022-23 campaign. They've gone through four managers, if you include Bruno Salter's brief stint as caretaker, and have used 32 different players in the Premier League. They have little to play for at this stage, and Frank Lampard's team selection has been inconsistent since taking charge last month. For all Chelsea's on-field problems at the moment, they are at least unpredictable. In keeping with his approach in his first stint as Chelsea manager, Lampard has used both a back three and a back four. 
it was notable that, in the Blues' 2-0 second-leg defeat to Real Madrid, Lampard used Mark Cucurella and Rhys James as wing-backs, whereas his predecessor, Graham Potter, had used them as wide centre-backs in his last game in charge. That shows one difference between them. Potter was highly adventurous, but Lampard knows he needs to keep things solid. Chelsea's best defender this term has been Thiago Silva, still a rock at 38, with Kalidou Koulibaly often on his left. Caesar Aspilicueta is still an option, while Wesley Fofana has played well at times in recent weeks. One of Potter's major problems was the lack of available wing-backs, who provide not simply width, but also running in behind, and a serious goal-scoring threat. James is a serious attacking force, although he struggled against Real Madrid's Vinicius recently, while Chilwell times his runs excellently down the left. One near certainty is that World Cup-winning holding midfielder Enzo Fernandes, who arrived in January, will anchor the midfield and play good passes into attack. It was his signing that freed up Giorgino to join Arsenal, and he plays roughly the same role. N'Golo Kante has missed most of the season through injury, but played an interesting position in the recent defeat to Real, often drifting out to the right flank. Mateo Kovacic is excellent at protecting and carrying the ball, while Conor Gallagher's been one of Chelsea's brightest players under Lampard, offering energy and determination. Ruben Loftus-Cheek is another option and can be used at wing-bank too. In the final third, Chelsea have desperately failed to find a cohesive combination, although their most regular starter this season has been Kai Havertz, who still looks like a makeshift striker, despite being played there more regularly than in his previous number 10 role. He often looks very dangerous alongside Loney Jao Felix, who collects the ball in clever positions between the lines, although the combination lacks running in behind. That can come from Raheem Sterling, who has been used everywhere across the front, or from former gunner Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang. Playmaker Mason Mount offers intelligence and pressing quality, but like James, is out for the season. Christian Pulisic is a good dribbler in tight spaces. Mikhailo Mudrik has an electric turn of speed, and Hakim Ziyech's left-footed right-wing crosses can be impossible to defend. This is a very talented squad in terms of individuals, but a complete lack of cohesion has left Chelsea in mid-table. Cup winners galore. Chelsea had a World Cup winner at three successive competitions. Juan Mata, 2010, André Chury, 2014, and Olivier Giroud, 2018. At last year's tournament, they had semi-finalists in Hakim Ziyech and Matteo Kovacic, but were quick to invest in a winner, Anzo Fernandes, after the tournament had finished. Match Action Premier League, Friday, April 21st, 2023 8pm, Emirates Stadium Arsenal 3, Southampton 3 Timeline First minute Alcaraz pounces on a loose pass to open the scoring 14, Walcott slides home the second 20, Martinelli volleys home Saka's cross 66, 
Coletta Carr heads in from a corner. 88. Odegaard curls into the bottom corner. 90. Saka smashes home a late equaliser. 90. Trossard hits the crossbar. Facts. Southampton went 2-0 up 13 minutes and 36 seconds in, the earliest we have trailed by two in a Premier League game here since December 2017 against Manchester United, 10 minutes 20. Gabriel Martinelli has netted 15 Premier League goals this season, the joint most by a Brazilian along with Roberto Firmino in 2017-18. The two quickest goals in the Premier League this season have both come against us at the Emirates, 9 seconds versus Bournemouth in March, and 27 seconds against Southampton. Gabriel Jesus It's really difficult to be in this situation, but we are here playing for a massive club, playing for all the supporters at the club and the crowd. We have to manage ourselves to come back and be focused again and strong. Match action. Full time. Manchester City 4, Arsenal 1. Premier League, Wednesday, April 26th, 2023, 8pm, Etihad Stadium. Manchester City 4, De Bruyne 7, 54, Stones 45, Haaland 90. Arsenal 1, Holding 86. Timeline 7, De Bruyne curls home low into the corner from 20 yards out. 45. Stones doubles the lead in injury time after VAR overrules an offside flag. 54. De Bruyne slots home the third from Haaland's pass. 86. Holding pulls one back with an expert finish from Trossard's pass. 90. Haaland adds a fourth in stoppage time. Stats. Expected goals. MCFC 2.53. AFC. 0.48 Possession MCFC 52% AFC 48% Total shots MCFC 14 AFC 8 Shots on target MCFC 9 AFC 2 Completed passes MCFC 422 AFC 387 Corners MCFC 1 AFC 3 Tackles 1 MCFC 8 AFC 4 Yellow Cards MCFC 3 AFC 1 Red Cards MCFC 0 AFC 0 Facts Since Leandro Trossard's first Premier League game for Arsenal in January, the Belgian has more assists in the competition than any other player. 8 Only Leeds United, 19, have conceded more Premier League goals in April than us, 12. Manchester City's Kevin De Bruyne has scored eight Premier League goals against Arsenal, three more than he has against any other side. Aaron Ramsdale We came here to win the game. We haven't managed to do that. We put ourselves on the back foot. We were half a yard off them in the first half and with one of the best teams in the league, You can't do that. You can't give them any advantage. It's something which we have to look at ourselves and work on. Teams For Arsenal, 
Manager Mikel Arteta. Shirt red with white sleeves. Shorts white. Socks red. One Aaron Ramsdale, goalkeeper. Three Kieran Tierney. Four Ben White. Five Thomas Partey. Six Gabriel Magalhaes. Seven Bukayo Saka. Eight Martin Odegaard. Nine Gabriel Jesus. Ten Emil Smith Rowe. Eleven Gabriel Martinelli. Twelve William Saliba. Fourteen Eddie Anketia. Fifteen Jakub Kivio. Sixteen Rob Holding. Eighteen Takahiro Tomiyasu. Nineteen Leandro Trossard. Twenty Giorgino. Twenty one Fabio Vieira. Twenty four Reese Nelson. Twenty five Mohamed Elneny. Thirty Matt Turner, goalkeeper. Thirty one Carl Hine, goalkeeper. Thirty four Granite Sharka. Thirty five Alexandra Zinchenko. Eighty three Ethan and Waneri. For Chelsea, caretaker manager Frank Lampard. Shirt blue, shorts blue, socks white. One Kepa Arizabelaga, goalkeeper. Four Benoit Badiashiu. Five Enzo Fernandez. Six Thiago Silva. Seven Angolo Kante. Eight Matteo Kovacic. Nine Pierre Emerica Bamiang. Ten Christian Pulisic. Eleven Joao Felix. Twelve Ruben Loftus Cheek. Thirteen Margus Batinelli. Goalkeeper. Fourteen Trevor Chalabar. Fifteen Mikhailo Mudrik. Sixteen Edward Bendy, goalkeeper. Seventeen Raheem Sterling. Eighteen Amanda Broja. Nineteen Mason Mount. Twenty Dennis Zakaria. Twenty-one Ben Chilwell. Twenty-two Hakim Ziyech. Twenty-three Connor Gallagher. Twenty-four Rhys James. Twenty-six Alidu Koulibaly. Twenty-seven David Fofana. Twenty-eight Caesar as Pilicueta, twenty nine Kai Havertz, thirty Carney Chukwoma, thirty one Noni Madueka, thirty two Mark Cucurella, thirty three Wesley Fofana, thirty six Gabriel Slosnina, goalkeeper, fifty six Umari Hutchinson, sixty seven Lewis Hall, referee Robert Jones, assistant referees. Timothy Wood, Wade Smith, fourth official Graham Scott, VAR official Andre Mariner, additional VAR official Stuart Burt. No room for racism. The Arsenal Foundation, helping young people fulfil their potential through education and sport. Com slash Arsenal. Arsenal. Where we belong. No room for racism anywhere. Arsenal and the rest of the Premier League will not tolerate racism anywhere. 
and we are taking action to combat all forms of discrimination. But we can all do more. Challenge it, report it, change it, and together we can make a positive impact. Visit premierleague.com forward slash no room for racism to find out more. Hashtag no room for racism. Challenge it, report it, change it. Premier League, Arsenal. Akagera National Park, Rwanda. Your safari awaits. Visit Rwanda, official tourism partner of Arsenal Football Club. Plan your journey at www.visitrwanda.com. Instagram and Twitter at visitrwanda underscore now. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns.